Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, where is Brandy Hall? We are in a real quandary because Jeff you know, wants to find his wife, right? Yeah. But law enforcement, we had his case on appeal. And so it was really difficult because uh, he wants to find his wife because he loved his wife and is freaking out about where she is and wants to cooperate and do all those things. And he has us yelling at him, you can't talk to law enforcement because we know they're going to get into the facts of your case. And in Florida, Every statement you make is admissible in a criminal prosecution. So I was in a panic, so I tried to call Brandy that morning. She didn't answer the phone. Tried to call it unlikely. You know, it's unlike her because she had two phones. Had a Netstell and an AT&T. Then I called the fire station, fire station, and they said that she had left last night. She was sick. And I started freaking out, so I started calling everybody. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and welcome back to Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall? The 32-year-old firefighter and mother of two left the Malabar Fire Station close to 11 p.m. on August 17, 2006, and has not been heard from since. And we've learned so far that police are now pretty sure that Brandy met an untimely end and foul play was involved. They found her beloved truck in the bottom of a remote pond with her blood inside. Brandy had been having an affair with Palm Bay Fire Captain Randall Richmond, so right away the spotlight was focused on both Brandy's husband and her lover. But that part of the investigation got off to a slow start as Brandy's husband, Jeff Hall, on the advice of his attorneys, refused to speak with police. The reason was that he was appealing his drug conviction and his lawyers didn't want anything he said in his wife's disappearance to affect his appeal. Here is his lawyer, Kepler Funk. He certainly understood what we were telling him as it relates to remaining silent not, and uh, not talking with law enforcement because I just I can't, as a, as, a, as a dutiful lawyer, having 100% loyalty to him, in good conscience tell him, go talk with the cops when I believe in my heart of hearts we're coming back into court and he's got a big felony case out there that he's going to be making statements on. Randall Richmond was not much help either as he lies to the police the day after Brandy goes missing and says he hasn't heard from her in weeks. The truth is, as we've heard in previous episodes, the police told Randall that he and Brandy texted or spoke about 52 times a day. The day before she went missing, he spoke to her at least five times. But then two days after saying he hadn't talked to her, Randall returns to the Palm Bay police station and changes his story and says that Brandy told him she was going away and that he shouldn't tell anyone. That's why he lied, he said. He said he decided to come forward with the quote-unquote truth because 
she hadn't called him or contacted him, and he got worried. I guess when he talked to police the first time on Friday and lied, he wasn't alarmed by her truck being pulled out of a pond. His lie cost Palm Bay police two days of looking into the possibility that she ran away or was killed attempting to. Here is Randall explaining to then Florida Department of Law Enforcement resident agent in charge, Wayne Ivey, before he became sheriff, why he lied. Why didn't I answer honestly? Not all of them, but that's all right. We'll, we'll go into that at a later point. Let me, let me, let me, Kenny, hurry on. You're coming in on a Friday night and giving one statement and then coming back on Sunday. Yeah. That has some obvious well, issues. Yeah, and I told the police that that didn't, told Kevin and, and Jess that that all didn't look good. I knew that didn't look good. And when, when you're working a homicide investigation, you look for who had motive, mm-hmm. who had opportunity, mm-hmm. and who lied. Mm-hmm. Oh, I lied. I mean, I I walked in there and and I told him, I confessed it all. Walked in there and said, look, guys, I lied. I admitted to that. A few months later, Jeff Hall loses his appeal and is back in custody about to start his 18-month prison sentence. His lawyers tell him he's free to talk to police. Hall's attorney, Kepler Funk, was positive that Jeff had nothing to do with Brandy's disappearance. There's no question in my mind seeing, you know, you got to remember now, for 25 years, I evaluate reactions of human behavior, mm. right? That's what, I, that's what I do for a living. Uh, I get lied to regularly, <laughs> probably, da- probably daily. There's no question in my mind or Alan and Keith's mind in my office that he had zero to do with the disappearance of his wife. Now, remember, even though our loyalties to Jeff as are related to the case in Osceola County, um, we would be likewise committing malpractice if we have an inclination that he was involved in a homicide or a kidnapping or something. Yeah. To let him to let him cooperate also. Of right? course, sure. He, would, he wouldn't be the first guy we represented on one case, and then he's implicated in another case. Well, we have a duty to tell him not to cooperate, right? And I can tell you that after speaking with him, right, my part of my job is to vet him as it relates to the disappearance of his wife. Yeah. All three lawyers say, go run, go help them, go do whatever you got to do. Yeah, yeah. So that ought to tell you where we felt about his truth-telling as it relates to his wife. So as soon as the appeal is done, detectives go and speak with Jeff Hall. It was probably a couple weeks after I sentenced. Um, Palm Bay police came to the Central Florida Reception Center, and I, I talked to him, answered any question. Of course, they're trying to think, you know, well, you could get the death penalty for this and that. And I said, I'm not stupid, you know. But anyway, I talked to him. I said, you know, believe it or not, I mean, I said, you know, tell him the truth. I didn't lie not one time. Innocent or not, Jeff Hall knew that his alibi wasn't very strong, and he also knew that in these cases, the husband is normally the main suspect. His alibi? Well, he said he was home sleeping and that his kids, 5 and 10 years old at the time, were asleep as well. Theoretically, he could have left the house while the kids were sleeping, killed Brandy, and returned before the kids awoke. Jeff said that just about everyone he knew assumed he was guilty, especially because he did not cooperate initially. Yeah, they, 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 actually, they actually slept in the same bed with me that night. So, we were watching, I forget what was the show that was on. I think it was Amazing Race or something, the final episode of that, and they were getting tired of that. You know, I was trying to spend some time with them. They were, try- they were trying because to get time. Court. Right, yeah. And um, they said, let's call Mommy say a prayer so we can... I didn't watch the end of that show, so... 
and we fell asleep. Jeff understood why the focus was on him, and he tried his best to deal with it. But eventually, the constant scrutiny and accusatory looks took their toll. You know, it's, um, you know, it's always the thing with the spouse. I mean, you see it on TV, see it on CNN. I understand a certain aspect of that. But, um, you know, the way it was displayed to me by the major is that that just nothing has ruled you out. So you're always in that loop among other people. When things like this happen, you know, like they, they, they always look at the spouse first and, yeah. and this and that. So, I mean, how did it feel to be, you know, like... Oh, it was freaking terrible. It was the, the by far the worst that you could possibly physically endure. And I, I tell my mom, I said, I can't put up with this no longer. She goes, God will never give you no more than what you can handle. I said, well, he sure is doing, trying me pretty dang good because I can't handle it. You know, no, it's tough. I mean, constant, constant, you know. Like just being harassed? And yeah, it's just, you know, being harassed. And, you know, and I'm being told, you know, and of course, when I hear stuff and I hear it from and not no Donald Trump reliable source type stuff, but when I hear stuff from law enforcement officers from different agencies, um, from good friends that work within, you know what I'm saying? Um, and knowing what they're telling me is, is BS. Of course, it didn't help his cause either that even though he volunteered for a polygraph test, well, the results were not great. I took a polygraph test, and um, they asked me, well, do you know what happened to Brandy? And, you know, my mind says, yes, I, I do. I, I, I clearly, you know, or, you know, and I said, no, I didn't do nothing to her. Yes or no, yes or no, and, and no, because I truly don't know. But my mind tells me, yeah. Because based on what I'm hearing, and this is, um, this is not just hearsay stuff. So let me clear this up a bit. By this time, Jeff is aware that his wife had been having an affair with Randall Richmond. And he also knows that Randall lied to the police initially before telling them Brandy ran away. And what he's trying to explain is that during the polygraph test, he answered no when asked if he knew what happened to Brandy. But, he explained, because he believed Randall had something to do with her disappearance, the answer registered as deceptive. Apparently, that wasn't as bad as it sounds. It was one question, and according to Sid Liddell, the problem was with how the question was asked, and so they scheduled another polygraph examination, which he passed, and eventually was cleared. Jeff had already been sentenced and was at the Central Florida Reception Center on his way into prison when I got the case. I made arrangements, went up and interviewed him. He's like, thank God I finally get to talk to you. And he gave me his story of where he was, what he was doing, and was able to fill in some of the blanks that we had from the initial investigation as far as he goes. So just to backtrack a tiny bit, when retired detective Sid Dow and his partner Doc Jones got involved a few years later in 2009, they still had their doubts and wanted to eliminate Jeff for themselves. Everybody said it was the husband. So Doc Jones and I went up there and, and uh, supposedly, and, and this is what the husband Jeff told us, he said that he had written the governor three times trying to get somebody to do something about the case. So we said, okay, we'll do it, but we're going to play it our way. If you go on the polygraph and get, get through that, we'll work it. If you won't go on the polygraph, to hell with you, we ain't working it. He went on the polygraph twice, passed him, 
So, and then over a period of, let's say, a year or so, Doc and I observed him and would lay um, verbal traps to see what kind of an answer we got. And after that year, I said, that man could never have done that. We're looking, we're barking at the wrong tree. But we had several other names that we were looking at, too. Okay, so then what about Randall Richmond? As Brandy Hall's lover and the last person she spoke to on the telephone before she disappeared, Randall had to know that he would be looked at as a potential suspect. But the spotlight grew even brighter when he lied to the police the day after Brandy went missing. What was his alibi? Well, it appears to be even more ironclad than Jeff Hall's. Randall was working that night at the Palm Bay Fire Station, which was about five miles from where the Malabar Volunteer Fire Department, where Brandy was heading out for the night, was. And apparently, there were no emergency calls that night, meaning, Randall says, he never left the fire station. Here he is once more talking to Wayne Ivey in 2007. When, when you were talking to her, where were you? At the station. Okay. From that time forward, did you ever leave the station? Never left the station. But Wayne Ivey pressed him further and even said he was pointing a barrel at Randall because of Randall's earlier lie to cops and because of, well, let's just listen in on the conversation between Randall and Florida Department of Law Enforcement resident agent in charge, now sheriff, Wayne Ivey. I never left the station. Why are you guys, why are you still pointing the barrel at me like, like you just said? Well, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, well, you were the he, last he's the one that had, had to do it because him and her had the affair. I'll, I'll, give, you some, I'll give you some exact reasons. There's some reasons for that. You talked to her on average. Well, not only that, you talked to her on average, either talked to her or text messenger um, 52 times a day. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Ran that. yeah. All, all this stuff in here, all the telephone records, and a lot of the things that I asked you in here already knew the answers to. Did I answer them honestly? No. Why didn't I answer honestly? Not all of them, but that's all right. We'll we'll go into that at a later point. Let me let me let me carry on. You're coming in on a Friday night and giving one statement and then coming back on Sunday. Yeah. That has some obvious well, issues. Yeah, and I told the police that that didn't. Told Kevin and and Jess that that all didn't look good. I knew that didn't look good, but you made go a phone ahead. call to Jeff at night telling Jeff that. You um you would be there for him. Next phone call to I make is to Ann from the station. I called Jeff at that night, mm -hmm. and then did you? Okay. Then you make a phone call to Ann, and then you make a phone call to Brandy, and then a series of phone calls occurs between you and Brandy and text messages. She leaves at twenty three oh six. You talk to her. That phone call lasts eleven minutes. At twenty three seventeen, that phone call terminates. At twenty three thirty eight. Her husband starts trying to call her, and she's never been heard from again. Now, everybody and their brother has called her and called her and called her, but not Randall. You never call her again. Well, you talk to her on average 52 times a day. I and told never her called that her again. I did. And there it is. Randall never tried calling Brandy again. He talks to her 52 times a day, and then nothing. Brandy tells him she's leaving, essentially running away, and he never calls her, never tries to reach her to check in. Again, it is not proof of anything, of course, but, well, here is Detective Mike Pusatier on one of the reasons they eventually cleared Jeff Hall from any wrongdoing. 
when he got out of prison, met up with him, offered him the opportunity to take a polygraph, which he did, um, which did not show indications of deception. Um, so we were able to, you know, pretty much rule him out as a focus of the investigation. Um, based on his actions, if I kill somebody, am I going to continuously call them, leave voicemails for them, leave a note for them? You know, I may do one or two to make it look like I'm not guilty, but I'm never not going to, I'm not going to call the pattern of calling her parents, calling her friends, calling other people. Hey, have you seen her? Hey, tell her to meet me at court. I really need her here. And, you know, those are things that somebody who committed a crime is not going to do. Um, Jeff's behavior was consistent with somebody who was not involved in her disappearance. All right, Randall tells Ivy that he did try to call Brandy once, more than six months after she vanished. He didn't call earlier because he was afraid, he said. Well, we were just talking about that. I tried just, you know, one of them things that gets in your head. And it was, it was, I telling him it was sometime this year in 07. Okay. But, you know, after everything that happened, I got called in here and, 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 and talked with the police and, and, and all of that stuff. No, I never did. I was, to tell you the truth, I was scared to, you know. As bad as I wanted to, I was scared to, mm -hmm. you know. Brown, I'm going to ask you a question, buddy. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm from the country. I kind of shoot straight from the hip, all right? Go. Did you kill Brandy? No, sir. I did not. Do you believe Brandy's dead? I honestly do not know. I honestly do not. That's what we were talking about. You know, is she laying on a beach somewhere in Mexico? Did something happen to her? You know, you, th you think about a lot of things and a lot of things, you know. Let me ask you this. I have not formulated an opinion. If you did kill her, what would have been your reasoning for doing it? I had no reason to kill her. None whatsoever. Okay. I had none. I'm, I'm going to tell you a theory that's been thrown at, at me. And I want you to devil's advocate, if you will. Okay. Brandy warned you. You and her had, had obviously had a relationship, and when things started heating up with you not going to testify and everything else, there was a possibility that the cat was going to be out of the bag, that Ann was going to find out the real truth about everything. Okay. All right. Tell me your feelings about that. Tell me why that theory is not right. We mean not right. I mean... If she was going to do that, if she was going to do that to me, mm -hmm. I would have to go to Anne Marie and say, look, this is what's happened. Guys, yeah. i got to go get to my dad. Yeah, yeah we're, we're getting close here. Okay. Let me, let me tell you what's important for us. Okay. All right. Anytime you work a, a homicide investigation, what's important is to obviously prove who did it. All right? Well, yeah. But also prove who couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. And... That, that becomes important at a number of different stages. A, it helps you focus in on who your primary suspect is. Mm -hmm. And B, when you get that suspect to court, the defense is going to try and say, well, this person did it and that person could have done it and do everything they can to make their person not appear guilty. Right. So for us, it's not only important to prove who did it, but to prove who couldn't have done it. Right. All right. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to sit down with you today is, is to be able to go over some of these things that, that there were some gray areas on and um, be able to work some of them out prove that I didn't, did it. didn't exactly. do it. Exactly. Now, one of the steps that we take, a tool that we use, is a polygraph examination. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's an easy thing to do, um, and it, oh, it he helps did us one of those. eliminate. You didn't do a polygraph. You did. Um, no, you did that voice stress. Yeah, voice stress. We we don't use voice stress. We use a polygraph. Oh, um, it's it's very very good at what it does um, and, and its purpose. I'd like for you to take a polygraph. Uh, that that would help me eliminate you and be able to focus on who I really believe did this. Um, <clears throat> we can we can get it done, get you out of the picture, and, and I know this has been a, a burr under your saddle for a while as mm -hmm. well. Um, there's um, you know a lot of people, and, and this is no secret to you, a lot of people that have pointed the finger at you because of you and her relationship. And as you said, you've gone, to, you've gone to more counselors than, than you probably ever care to go yeah. to. But I would like to get you polygraphed and get you out of my picture. Um, is It would be my wish to do. Um, you have a problem in doing that. He apparently did. Randall Richmond has never taken a polygraph examination in the case, despite being asked to numerous times. A voice stress analysis test was done earlier and he failed. According to Sid Ladau, he failed, quote, miserably. According to the report, the hot questions that Randall failed on included, do you know who killed Brandy? Did you kill Brandy? And do you suspect anyone of killing Brandy? After the test, Randall was informed of the blood found in Brandy's truck, and according to reports, he started to cry. It was during this time, again, according to that report, that Randall's wife, Anne-Marie, was calling him over and over again on the telephone, and he did not take the calls. The polygraph thing really irks Jeff Hall even to this day. He doesn't understand why his former friend and his wife's lover refuses to take one. I don't give a shit which way you play this. You know, run away or, or death. He knows and he has something to do with it, period. Period, because there's no reason to lie. And I'll take a thousand polygraph tests, you know, every day, and, and he won't even take one. And, um, and they got other ways. Voice analysis, I'm sure they did a thousand, you know, they did voice analysis on him and stuff, and I know they did them on me, me not knowing. But still, Randall has an alibi, and it's a good one. Richmond said he never left the firehouse, and, well, more on his alibi in a minute. As for Jeff Hall... The misery of not knowing what happened to Brandy got worse and worse for him, and especially his children. Here is Jeff Hall talking to us about a year after Brandy went missing. My biggest fear is not find out any information ever, and that's what you know. I stress about that. I really do for the kids' sakes. I mean, they ask, and you know, we talk about. It. I'm I'm very open and honest with my kids because of all the crap that's going around, and you know, you just you know. Yeah, I've taken them to canceling and um, through, um, I guess, it's the Bright Star program with um, homes, you know, like the hospice kids. And, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, they, they, before they would take them, they said I had to talk to them and tell them their mom was gone, basically. And I, I had a hard time dealing with that because I told, asked Leia, I said, how, how do you tell your kids that their mom's dead when you don't know? Because Jeff has been eight months, whatever. Realistically, she probably is. So back to Randall and that airtight alibi. Why airtight? Well, Randall said he never left the firehouse that night, and his crew backed his story. And that's where the case seemed to get stuck. Because someone would have surely heard him open the large bay doors and start up the diesel fire captain vehicle if he was to gone out that night. 
and you would never expect five firefighters to lie for you. When retired detectives Sid Liddow and Doc Jones got the case, they were flummoxed by that as well. And then Sid, perhaps remembering how the bad question tripped Jeff Hall up during his polygraph, looked at the exact question the firefighters were asked and thought, hmm, maybe there is a problem with this question. Okay. Um, The thing that puzzled me for a long time was he said he never left there. And there's five statements from his co-workers. He never left there. He never left that place. And I thought about it and I said, you know, his truck was parked inside his vehicle. If, if firefighters don't sleep that soundly, if something goes off on the radio, they wake right up. So if that big door uh, faces north would have went up and that vehicle would have driven out, they would have woke up. But nobody heard that, so they're assuming. The question was asked, did Randall leave the department that night? That's the wrong question. It should have been, did you see Randall leave the fire department that night? Next time on Murder on the Space Coast, where is Brandy Hall? A lost tip resurfaces, bringing new theories and another possible suspect to light. But is it too late? And one year after Brandy goes missing, a bag of her belongings is found in a canal in a neighboring county. Who found it? Uh, There's two guys that were fishing in the canal. We couldn't explain how it got there because there was no cameras around there. It was a kind of rural area. In fact, the canal ran um, parallel to an orange grove right behind it. You know, it's just like, come on. I mean, something's not right. You know, that's a big lead. I mean, you see a car that the woman's missing an hour before they go off the grid or half an hour right here by the area. If you have any information as to Brandy Hall's whereabouts, please call 1-800-423-TIPS. That's 1-800-423-8477. Calls are anonymous and are not recorded. To subscribe to Florida Today, please visit floridatoday.com forward slash WMO. For now, I'm news columnist John H. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on these cases and web exclusives, please go to whereisbrandyhall.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network.